0: Money FM eighty nine point three Best of Weekends International News Review.
1: Welcome back to Saturday mornings here on Money FM. Our International News Review. Joining us today once again, Juliana Chan, CEO Wild Type Media. Juliana, great to have you back in the studio. Hey guys, good
2: morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil.
1: The first, uh, the first story we have to cover today is a hot topic. Mm. So far this year, the amount of land burned by fires across the European Union is more than three times greater than what you would expect by this time of the year. Over 346,000 hectares. We have heat waves across. Uh, Neil, your hometown mm. was hotter than Singapore uh, in, in, uh, in Dagenham uh, this past week. Not Crazy. only
0: uh, was it hotter, it was literally on fire. I mean, streets I was driving through just 10, 11 days ago, I saw on the BBC News, Sky News, on fire. I saw houses from my housing estate burning. Uh, three three small districts around the fringes of East London and the M25, which everybody knows is the Ring Road around London, on fire. I mean, this, this wasn't Southern Europe. This wasn't South America. Right. It wasn't California, Brazil. It was London. And the temperature peaked at 40.3 degrees. When I was a kid, if it was early 20s, you were throwing your kids into the North Sea and saying, go and swim and good luck. Try not to die of hypothermia. Mm. 40.3 degrees, 39 weather stations across the UK, 39 broke the previous highest temperature of 38.7, which in itself was only set in July 2019 64 different areas of france 64 also recorded record high temperatures dr chan juliana is it too background. late, is it too late for the planet what are we doing here
2: so so I'm, I'm you know i'm not a climate researcher but this is terrible of course you know have you watched the movie don't look up the it's becoming
0: yeah. a documentary. Yeah. It
2: is, um, so I was, you know, near. I was. I lived in the UK for three years. I was an undergrad there, mm. and the thing about the UK infrastructure is not, yeah. at least from where I lived, I was in Cambridge. Mm. It is just not built to handle Correct. heat. Correct. So I still remember, at least then, when I was sitting a, in a train from Cambridge to London, mm. and it was one of those days where it was terribly hot. I, I, I could swear all of us were were nearly dying from a heat stroke in the in the train mm, cabin.
0: Yep. Mm. There's no air conditioning There's on most no trains in the UK. Yeah. In,
2: in my room, there was just a, a, a little old heater. and it, uh, Sorry, a heater. And if it were to be as hot as today, it wouldn't work with a, a little p- portable air conditioner. Yeah. yeah, So I'm very concerned it, with everyone. There. It
0: happened. And this is a very important point that Glenn and I were talking about off air, which is to... Green proof most modern economies now, particularly Western economies, would cost billions of pounds that they just don't have. I mean, the British government has said this week, you'll see it in America as well and elsewhere. You know, we know what we need to do. We're not, we we may pretend sometimes, but we're not that stupid. We do know what needs to be done. We need to be climate proofed. But here's the kicker. I'll give you one example that I read about. Steel. The steel on rail tracks in the UK. Is no different to steel in other parts of the world in the sense that they can shape it and mold it and engineer it in a way that they can get, I can't remember, the, I think it's about 35 degrees latitude of weather they can take. So, for example, the, the steel used on British railways can take temperatures up to minus 10 and plus 35. Of course, if you build uh, train tracks in Dubai or Singapore, you would build them to take a different temperature, but you can do it. Once they're in place, they can only take the temperature from minus 10 degrees to plus 35. To now accommodate temperatures plus 40 would mean ripping up every single train track in the country, bringing the country to a standstill to basically cause economic Armageddon, and it would take billions and billions and years and years. In other words, many countries, Singapore, thankfully, is one of the few exceptions, but most or many Modern democracies, countries around the world, economies are just not built economically. Mm. Do not have the infrastructure in place. Never mind sea rise and right, all that sort of stuff for the climate change that is happening almost annually now. Juliana, where does the conversation
1: need to go? And I and I know you're not a you know a self-proclaimed climate expert, but you know you you have been around enough um, organizations, government organizations, um, uh, NGOs. When is the conversation going to be strong enough that people will finally get together and say we've got to make a change? Paris Climate Accord, blah. You know the U.S. keeps pulling in and getting in and getting out of Biden's climate agreements. Climate
0: change agreement has kind of been uh, shot down again. You know all of that. What what do we have to do for the
1: conversation as we are seeing the extremes get more extremes? The highs getting higher, the lows getting lower, the heat getting hotter. Glenn.
2: Two years ago, I was at Davos, the the last one before the pandemic. And I got the privilege of hearing Greta Thunberg Mm. speak Mm. in front of me. I mean, I queued for an hour just to get in the room. And by the end of a 10-minute conversation, even the moderator from New York Times was crying. So Mm -hmm. it was so urgent. And there you have in the news people mocking her. Exactly. And, you know, you know, on stage, Stephen Newkin, uh, Donald Trump, they did not or refused to mention the word climate change. Mm. They refused to even engage. So I don't have all the answers. If I did, you know, I would give you the answers. Nobody has. Yeah. But I think at start, we need to start the conversation, mm. the dialogue going even in COP26, every year, they discuss that at length. So, COP26, WEF and Davos, all these big conversations, we need to keep talking about it. But it this conversation's to conversation has been going on for
0: 25 yeah. years. And actually, like
2: 25 years. To your point, Juliana, right? we actually
0: do know the answers. Scientists <laughs> have been telling us the answers for 10 years now. We need to go to net zero as soon as possible. It's not going to happen. And this is an unfair comparison, what I'm about to make, in a way, because Singapore is (laughs) land reclamation aside. We are aware we're trying to build all our buildings at least 1.5 metres above sea level projections and so on and so on. We're building polders out on the coast and so on. However, the symbolism of the same day that my former home was literally on fire came out on the day that my new home was released, the new COE figures that have gone through $100,000. So there is still a healthy or wealthy percentage of people who will pay 100000 plus for their big carbon guzzlers, no matter what. But- so until we reconcile these two mindsets... I don't, I don't want to be depressing on a Saturday morning, but I, I don't know how we're going to fix this.
2: So, so, Neil, when I say start a conversation, I don't
0: mean just talk. Mm.
2: I mean, we as a population, as consumers, need to rise up. Sure. Yeah. So, if we demand you know, ESG goals from the companies that we buy for, we can choose to support or not support companies, and that is where you hurt the bottom line of these companies. Yeah, yeah. We have a voice combined, and we need to demand more from the brands that we support. Yeah, that's
1: what I really need. And, and and yes, I, I mean I I understood what you meant by that conversation. But I, I think to Neil's point, you know what what is going to finally push? What is going to finally push us to say we're going we need some short term pain here. We need to drive less. We need to do whatever it is less We need to pay more if policy, we can.
2: Government policy. I mean, supporting electric cars, you know. But,
1: but right here, too, is, is where Net people disagree, carbon. right? Some people are saying it's got to be a top-down government thing. Other people are saying, no, it's got to
0: be from individual industries.
1: Both. Right?
2: We need both. We don't have time. There is no <sighs> planet
0: and, and to flip that point... You know, I, I'm proud to live in a, in a in a smart nation. However, when I went to England, it was quite a shock to me, guys, to see that even in remote villages of the UK, they had you know the Cotswolds uh, and, and places like that. They had car battery charging stations everywhere. Yes, everywhere. Shopping centres, ro- you know, diners, roadside uh, services. All oh, because my my uh, sister has a. Uh, electric car and then you come back to singapore and we're still arguing about pieces of paper that cost a hundred thousand dollars and you're thinking are we really ahead of the game here so so you know it it begins at home right so this idea we need a global conversation but are we doing enough in singapore i'm not saying we are or we're not i'm just asking the question should we be moving faster with electric cars and so on
2: even recycling i mean Mm -hmm. we we need to adopt better recycling habits on all levels as a, as a country. And yes, you know, about the cha- car charging stations, I went to visit my friend, a Singaporean who now lives in Champagne, which makes champagne. And even in her little wee village, there mm. was a amazing charging station.
0: Mm. It is extraordinary. Yeah. I, I was quite surprised actually on that. All right,
1: yeah. let's keep that conversation going for... The future of our, of our planet. I mean, Earth will be fine one way or another. It's, it's going to be the people that are Earth totally will messed be up. Just fine. Earth
2: will be great. Earth will be, no, Earth ca- would be bet- better without us. <laughs> you know? And just to
0: cap it, we saw this during the lockdowns around the world, <laughs> mm. even in Singapore. Then you know, we kept talking about the meadowlands of Singapore. The butterflies coming, flourishing. Yeah, Singapore yeah. did just fine yeah. naturally when we were locked down. Yeah. That's the scary part. We yeah. think we're so darn important, but the planet will be just fine without us. Yeah. There's A nice thought for a Saturday morning.
1: A a good news story. Yesterday, Ukraine, Russia, and Turkey uh, and the UN signed a pact to allow Ukrainian grain to be exported and get out around the world. We know that there has been a huge problem uh, with um, uh, with the supply chain coming out of Ukraine, especially because of the war. Uh, one in 10 loaves of bread here in Singapore comes from Ukrainian wheat, uh, for example. So finally, a little bit of sunshine in a very dark story, Juliana.
2: Well, I heard that the grain from Ukraine is used to for chicken feed in Malaysia, and that's what at least in part, caused the shortage of chicken. So, if you if you, you extrapolate, it means we have we can have access to Hainani's chicken rice again. So that's good news, isn't it, mm. for all Singaporeans? Absolutely, out there.
0: it's all about a the collective stomach. a
2: collective cheer yeah. happened across Singapore. Yeah.
0: Indeed, indeed. I mean that's the good news. But again, cynicism abounds because I was just reading this morning. Yes, of course, it's a positive development, but. There are 400 bulk cargo ships that have been stranded for the best part of, what is it now, three, four months that need crews. They need to crew these ships. They need to be found. And good luck trying to find crews who may not in- be 100% sure their safety is going to be guaranteed. Is this, is this in the Black Sea? Or yes. That, that, uh, uh, yes, that and they're area. designed for transporting mm-hmm. agricultural goods between continents each able to hold up to 50,000 tons. So you need crews. That's the first thing. You need to make sure that both ends, particularly Russia, hold up their end of the security deal. And these ships can have
1: safe passage clearly.
0: There are so many elements here. So you've got to crew them. You've got to guarantee their safety. Um, that's just the start of it. Let's hope. It's a step. I agree, with, um, I agree with you. It is a step in the right direction. However, I can't help feeling that Putin is the winner here. Because he's he's looked like he's given a concession to the rest of the world, but he hasn't had to concede anything here. The mm. war still continues. Mm. The ironic part to me is, as we mentioned off air, okay, this UN agreement will secure the safe passage of goods and cargo and crews through this area. Over here, we're going to continue killing each other. Mm. Surreal, to Killing me, it's just surreal, and, all that. And, conv- and exactly. You know, one State Department
1: spokesperson uh, uh, described this as weaponizing food. Yeah, right? good point. And and Juliana, like to Neil's point, it's a good news story on one hand, but the bigger story is still this stupid war still continues, and and people still are you know innocent. Many innocent people are still dying, and and infrastructure destroyed. What do you think is the way forward, you know, have, have, what have you seen that could work as a way forward, um, you know, taking maybe this positive step of grain being allowed to be transported? What could be next?
2: You're asking someone who says that she doesn't want to discuss politics. I right know, there, I know, you know, which is
1: why I hit you right with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, you want to play with the big boys on the show and the international <laughs> yeah, news? You don't uh, uh, get uh, these uh, hard failing, questions I'm on God fa- fa- I'm this
2: interview, and I not? No,
1: no, no, no. But just, I mean, just from, you know, look, you're, you're an awfully smart person, I, easily smarter than both Neil and I combined. So, um, not
2: not international politics, <laughs> international relations.
1: But but when people are talking, you know, good things can happen. So, I, you know, this is a good start, I guess, in one way. But there just seems like so much intractability around this. Or should we just be happy for the the little bit of you know chicken rice we're going to get and the chickens and whatever else, and and move on? Or how, how should we look at this?
2: I mean, at this point, you know, we all thought that in March there was going to be some kind of, uh, you know, peace being brokered and it's not. So yeah. honestly, speaking at this point, when we came out of the pandemic, things were going better. The stock markets were going up. Mm-hmm. And then this whole crisis came from nowhere. I think I think we don't have an answer right now. I, yeah. I wish I could, I could comment. Yeah, I yeah. don't.
0: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, no, but they've th- got to th- do th- it quick th- because, as Don it's Pierce has commented on the Facebook, You've got to, it's, this, it's the harvest season now. You've got to get the stock out there, the grain out there, or it'll be wasted. The entire crop will be wasted. It needs to get to developing nations, need to get those uh, tankers, those ships crewed quickly, which um, is no mean feat in itself. So, even now, even if everything goes to plan and the UN deal is followed to the letter, you're still going to need at least a few weeks to get every vessel crewed and out there through the Black Sea. It's not done yet. It takes time. It takes yeah. time. So and if, yeah.
2: I'm reading. I'm reading about how they play a very big role in the global food markets. I mean, besides the grains, there's hmm. even sunflower oil.
1: Of course. Yep. Maize, barley, corn, and fertilizer, and yeah. so
2: we really depend. And, and strangely, we depend so much. Or Ukraine, and we are so far away in Singapore. That's about the amazing part about this. Is why chain. we
0: have a guest coming on later to talk just about that. And yep. uh, COVID and the Ukraine war is just the latest two examples of how codependent we are yep. and uh, on Alex, the supply chain uh, issue.
1: Alex Capri from uh, LKY School will be on with us at ten thirty to talk about that very point. Okay, finally, polio. What? Now we're definitely in your wheelhouse here when we talk about uh, you know health health issues and things like that. As I know Maybe a little you being, bit more.
2: A little bit more. Than, you being the scientist that
1: you are, Juliana, what does this mean that you know that a case of polio has surfaced in the U.S. when it was you know supposed to be eradicated decades ago? I mean, there is a very effective vaccine for it. is oral form, so it doesn't even require
2: an injection. Yeah. Mm. there is almost no resistance to taking it, and it goes to show that even in a developed country like the United States, of course, it's just one case. Mm. It goes to show that there is resistance to taking vaccines and, and mm. that's a real public health problem. Mm.
0: So that's what the issue is here. It's that it's that whether it's a conspiracy theory or whatever, but it's still some folks believing that they should not get vaccinated. That's all this is.
2: So so the I, I went to read about it in the news. Yeah. It seems like because this person did not get a vaccine and somebody else who may have had a attenuated live vaccine. So they inadvertently caught polio from oh. the vaccinated person oh, around them. Hmm. So it basically goes to show that you need the entire population to be vaccinated. And apparently now they're doing a kind of a ramp up drive in New York to get as many people vaccinated. So that means they are still adults running around with no polio vaccine. That, that blows my mind.
0: Well, wow. That blows my mind. Isn't this extraordinary, Glenn? Is this again another offshoot of this... This binary, polarized political nature of the U.S. that it ties into that anti-vaccine, whether it was COVID, post-COVID mentality. That here we are in 2022 talking about adults not getting the polio vaccine in America, in a developed nation. what, what, what is the thinking here?
1: Uh, I you know I wish I knew. I wish I could understand what mm. what people go through. We know that there is a very strong anti-vaccination movement in the U.S. Mm. And there's a bit of it here, too. Let's be honest. We saw it during COVID. Australia, Uh, Canada. uh, Mm. And that people you know, have their reasons for believing that vaccines do more harm than good, which I think we know from a scientific uh, medical standpoint, that is absolutely untrue. They do far more good than none, than than good. And not everybody can take vaccines for different reasons, which we know. But uh, to see this, you know, the U.S. was declared polio-free in 1979, <laughs> <Yes>. right? Uh, <laughs> to see one case pop up, you know, because you know if it's one case, it can easily be more, right? And, and apparently this person suffered some paralysis already from it. Uh, There's
2: no treatment for it. It's just, yeah. it's, it's it really shouldn't have, they really shouldn't get polio, honestly. No. It's endemic in Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Not, not in the United States.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm really weird. I'm one of those weird parents who believes in science. I believe in experts who went to university and did trials and tests and by process of elimination reached a firm conclusion. You know, experts who trial and test and trial and test until they reach firm conclusions. Call me a sucker, well, but if there's a vaccine, I'm sticking it into my daughter's arm. That, I don't care what that, it is, she is gets a min- jabbed
1: or jabbed again. That is a mindset that is increasingly under fire. Uh, it's extraordinary that, to me. Right? We all know that. Uh, Um, But I
0: must just clarify, because we did get some comments coming in. Don Pierce made a very good point, um, which I did want to address, which electric cars will only help if you're not powering the grid with gas turbines or, heaven forbid, coal. That's a very important point, because it has been discussed around the world that, of course, these batteries need to be charged. That's the first thing. And the production of the cars, you know, how they're being made. So good point, Don. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, All right. That's going to do it for this
1: round of International News Review. Thanks, Juliana, for coming back. Always Thanks, fun to man. have you with Thanks, us.
2: Thanks, Neil. Happy to come. All
1: right. Have a good, uh, have a good uh, rest of your weekend. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our
0: audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.